Good morning, Northgate. Welcome uh, to our service this morning. Isaiah chapter 9 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I hope you have all had a very Merry Christmas, that you were able to celebrate uh, that with uh, family, um, get together as much as we can at this time of year, uh, just to really let the truth of Christmas hit home in our lives. And this is our last service of the year 2020. Uh, and as you can see, I'm all alone this morning. Garrett is on holidays awaiting baby. Uh, and Rod is in isolation this morning due to a close contact with COVID. His test was negative, but uh, he still has to isolate. Um, but yeah, that means there's a few sort of year-end odds and ends uh, for us to look at this morning in way of announcements uh, first is if you would like to drop off off your tithe, uh, we ask that it's easiest if you do it before December 31st. Uh, we would really ask you to do that. Uh, the office will, will be open uh, this week, Monday to Thursday from 10 to 2, but we ask again that you make an appointment uh, before you show up just so we can make sure uh, that we have someone there to receive you. Uh, so make an appointment to stop by the church this week to drop a tithe off. If you'd like to give online through Tithely, um, just because of time zones and, and sort of funny things, it's best if you do that sort of before the last day of the month, uh, just to ensure that the, the tithing and the receding uh, will go sort of off without sort of a hitch. Uh, and again, that's because of time zones and where their head office is located. Uh, we also ask if you are part of a ministry and you have some expenses that you would uh, just drop off your ministry expense receipts at the church before the end of the year as well, uh, just to help our bookkeeper out in those things. We also have a thank you from the Queen Elizabeth School, um, just across the street. Uh, they contacted us about a need, uh, some needy families in, the, in their school, uh, and we helped them put together some hampers uh, to give those families. So they just wanted to say thank you to us as well. We also have a grief share ministry starting up. Um, or, sort of mid-January, uh, January 14th would be the start date on that. We'll have a video sort of after, after our, our announcements here that you can look at. But if you're interested in attending that, uh, please contact the church and we will get you all the information. Information also uh, a little bit in the bulletin uh, that is available on our church website. Uh, we also have some happy news there. Uh, the Fenties celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. Uh, that's an incredible milestone. So ha just happy anniversary to the Fenties. Hope uh, yeah, God has blessed you mightily. Uh, and, and our church just sends out its congratulations to you guys. Um, but also, um, we do have some condolences to give out as well. Uh, the family of Katie Zed. Uh, Katie passed away uh, just a little, about two weeks ago. Uh, condolences go out to her and her family. And we heard just this last week that David, our board chair, his father passed away uh, over Christmas as well. So we want to send our condolences out uh, to all of those families as well. 
Uh, we're just going to open in prayer now at this time, and then there'll be a grief share video and a kid's time to follow. But let's pray uh, together. Father God, um, as we come to this end of this year, this 2020, a year that has been most unusual in all of our lives, Lord, we just, looking back, we realize that you were still faithful to us. Uh, Lord, and as we stand on the verge of entering into a new year, again, with with so many unknowns, uh, Lord, we know that you will be faithful still in all of the days ahead of us, no matter what comes. And Lord, we just, uh, we want to take time to celebrate the little things, the Fenty's 70th anniversary, Lord, what a, what a milestone. And Lord, we pray that they would be just incredibly blessed uh, on, on their day, uh, well, that they were blessed on their day. And Lord, uh, we celebrate with them as a church family. But Lord, we also grieve uh, with Katie's family on her loss and pray that you would be with them, just uphold them at this time. And also for David and Jeannie at this time, that Lord, you would, you would bring comfort in a special way to them. That Lord, you would lift them up. That Lord, even bring discernment on, on some of the plans that they may have to make. That Lord, you would just guide them, give them uh, discernment at this time. Uh, Lord, as they just come to terms with the, with the passing of David's father. Um, be with them, just, yeah, be with the family in a special way. Lord, we also pray for um, just the missions uh, that our church was involved in in this last year. Lord, as the, I see the list in our, in our bulletin of all the different families we supported. We are so thankful that we were able to be, in some small way, a part of these ministries around the world, reaching out to people, proclaiming the gospel, uh, Lord, we look forward to, Lord, hearing the stories of how even what we have contributed has, has been part of the, the ministry uh, that they have been working on. We, we love to hear the stories about people coming to faith, uh, knowing Jesus because of these ministries and these missionaries that we support. And Lord, for our own missions and ministries here at the, our church, Lord, we are so thankful that we could um, just minister to the people around us. And Lord, again, this has been a very different time with COVID, but Lord, you are still faithful. You're still working. And Lord, our church is still doing all it can to find ways to continue the mission that you have called us to. Uh, and Lord, you have provided for us, uh, both financially and spiritually. You've given us the strength and encouragement we need uh, just to keep on going. And Lord, we look forward to that continuing into this new year. Um, and Lord, even for this church service today, Lord, we just invite you to come in and be a part of it with us. That, Lord, your presence would be with us in a very special way. Um, yeah, and we ask that you would just, again, bless our service and our time together this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Appreciate video. Well, good morning again. And as I said earlier, just glad you could join us this morning. And I very much hope that you had, as much as you could with this strange year we've had, a delightful and blessed Christmas uh, uh, celebration. Uh, you know, because as the song says, this really does feel like the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, I actually remember just a couple years back on Christmas morning, my kids were younger, uh, but they had just barely opened their gifts. You know how the kids tear into them and uh, last present sort of was just open, and when one of them looked at me with very sad eyes and asked, Daddy, how long is it until next Christmas? And you know, when you do, you know, sort of set your Christmas countdown back to 365 days, 
Christmas can really feel very far away. And then as I was sort of driving to, to work this last week, I was listening to Christmas songs on the radio, and a song came on the radio that said, don't you wish it was Christmas every day? And I remember thinking to myself, well, yes, actually, that would be amazing. What could be better than Christmas all the time? But that actually got me thinking, maybe, maybe that would almost be too much Christmas. Because who among us could afford to spend $1,000 a day for gifts for other people if every day was Christmas? Uh, who, could, who among us could eat an average of one pound of turkey or ham every day if every day was Christmas? And uh, speaking of eating, imagine what it would be like for the scale and the battle of the bulge if you had to add your annual Christmas weight gain every single day of the year. Uh, if you're like me, you probably sometime in this last few days uh, Googled how many calories in a cream puff and then multiplied that number by 37 just to see how bad the damage was going to be. Uh, maybe it's okay uh, for Christmas to come just once a year. But you know what? That doesn't mean we cannot live without the truth of Christmas every day in our lives. Because even though Christmas is just a single day on the calendar, the truth of Christmas is true every day of the year. And that's actually, that very thought led me to the passage we have before us in Matthew chapter 2, if you want to open up there. Uh, and this idea for the sermon is really, how can we have hearts that are ready for Christmas? Not just once a year, but every day of the year. And it brings us to a very well-known section of scripture, as the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. If you'd like to follow along, I'll read them for you. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask that you would be with us in our time as we open your word. That Lord, you would, you would be our guide, you would be our teacher, you would lead us to truth through your Holy Spirit. Um. Yeah, just prepare our hearts uh, for this truth. 
uh, which is really the message of this sermon uh, in total. That Lord, um, Lord, even with the distracting weeks we've had and all the goodies we've eaten and all the all the things that have gone on, the activity and the activity, um, Lord, I just pray that in this moment we would be quiet and we'd be focused on you, so we would hear from you in truth. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. So this may seem like a little bit of a strange way to start a sermon about Christmas, but when Jesus talks to his disciples and tells them parables, one of the parables is the parable of the sower. And he talks in that parable about the fact that our response to truth is influenced very much by the state of our hearts. Uh, Sometimes a heart is rocky. Uh, Sometimes a heart is thorny. Uh, Sometimes it's too shallow to receive truth. But sometimes... A heart is deep and rich and is ready to be fruitful when it receives the truth. And different kinds of hearts responding to truth are what we see in this passage that we have before us as well. Because the truth of Christmas comes into the lives of each person that we read about in this passage. And while the truth is the same, we see very different reactions to that truth because we see different kinds of hearts at play. And we'll look at each one of those kinds of hearts uh, this morning on our journey to find a heart that is really ready to live out Christmas every day of the year. And the first kind of heart we're going to look at belongs to a man named Herod the Great. And this was a heart that certainly was not ready for Christmas. Uh, Beginning of verse 1 says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. King Herod had a disturbed and a fearful heart. The news of Jesus' birth sent panic just sort of right through him. Because to Herod, the news of a newborn king was nothing but a threat to his own power. It was competition, in his mind, for his throne. It was a danger to his position as a ruler. So Herod, in his fear, he used every bit of his strength and his scheming and his power to try to stop Christmas from coming. And you know what? Fear still does. Um, Today we live in a world of fear. Uh, People are afraid. They're afraid of being alone, afraid of getting sick, afraid of losing their job, afraid of failing, afraid of death. And now we have COVID and all the fears associated with that to worry about. We have become very much a nation of fearful people where watching the news every night can leave you feeling terrified and anxious. And I talked more about that during our Christmas Eve message just a few days ago. But the fear we see in this passage is a different kind of fear. It's a different kind of fear that we see in Herod because this is actually fear of Christmas itself. But why would anyone be afraid of Christmas? Well, I mean, why would anyone be sort of fear an infant born in a manger? Well, I think it's because just like King Herod, I think people understand that the birth of Jesus Christ can be news that is very dangerous to their way of life. The birth of Christ means someone new wants to sit on the throne of their lives. Someone new wants to be 
in charge. The birth of Christ means the end of our own sovereignty because it means surrender. The birth of Jesus Christ means God has come down to be the uncontested king of kings in our world and in our lives. And that's scary. That is scary truth to a lot of people. Because for the most part, we like to be the ones in control. Uh, I have a very good friend in my life who I've shared the gospel with many times. Every time I share the gospel with him, he listens very intently. And everything that I say, you know, he agrees with. He understands. Uh, He could even, he knows the gospel so well, he could even explain the gospel to someone else. Um, He knows the truth so well. But my friend has never taken that step to accept the gospel as his own, to accept Jesus as his savior. And you know, one day I just broke down and I asked him point blank, like, why, why is that? And his answer was this. He says, I know that if I accept Jesus as my savior, then I will have to live for him. And I like my life the way that it is right now. And I'm afraid that Jesus will want me to change. And you know, when my friend said that, I don't think I could have gotten a more honest answer. And that's where so many people are at in their own lives. Because we like living the way that we want to live. We like calling the shots. We like being able to do our own thing. In fact, perhaps the very basic essence of sin could be thought of as rejecting God's rule and thinking of ourselves as being the king or the queen of our own lives. And that makes this new king of Christmas a threat to us all. And in some ways, I think that's why more and more we see Christ being trying, they're trying to push Christ out of Christmas. Because people don't want to hear about anyone who wants to be the Lord of their lives, even if he is the Son of God. And just like Herod, even today, people will do their best to try to keep Christmas from coming. You know, a few years ago, a journalist put together some evidence about the war on Christmas. Stating some examples, he says, in Illinois, state government workers were forbidden from saying Merry Christmas while at work. It was happy holidays or nothing at all. In New Jersey, a school banned even instrumental versions of Christmas carols that mentioned Jesus. Arizona schools ruled it unconstitutional for a student to make a reference to the religious history of Christmas in a class project. And in most places, you can sing sing songs about Frosty the Snowman and Susie Snowflake and even about a flying reindeer with a strange chromatic nasal condition. But songs about Jesus... Don't make the playlist. So what are these people so afraid of? They're afraid of the rule of Christ. They are afraid of the demand this newborn king has upon their lives. And the world is happy to let Jesus just be a baby in a manger, but it will fight tooth and nail to keep him from being the sovereign king and Lord that he was born to be in all of our lives. Poor Herod had a heart full of fear. He didn't want to give up his control and his power. And a fearful heart is not a heart that is ready for the truth of Christmas. Of course, the irony is that Herod and all those like him would have found the security that they longed for if they had just yielded their life to Christ. Herod would have found a love that he had never known. Herod could have lived for a greater purpose 
in accepting Christ rather than sort of ruling, ruling in vain. But Herod still chose to have a heart full of fear. He chose to reject the rule of Christ in his life. And yet as tragic as a fearful heart may be, an even greater tragedy lies in the hearts of the people we meet next. In verse 4, it says, And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will, be, who will shepherd my people Israel. So what could be worse than a heart of fear? I think the answer is a heart of indifference. Because imagine the scene that has just played out for us. These wise men come from faraway lands proclaiming the truth of the birth of the king of the Jews. They tell Herod and the, the scholars who were there you know, that they have seen the sign that the Messiah has been born. And don't miss that. This is the Messiah. This is the one that all of Israel has been waiting for, for thousands upon thousands of years. Israel has been waiting for this moment to happen. And now it's happened. And prophecy is unfolding right before their eyes. God's hand is at work. His greatest promise is fulfilled. The child has been given. And they're asked the question, where can we find him? And these priests and scribes, they open up their Bibles and they say, oh, Bethlehem. And then they close their books and they just go back to work. These scribes and priests, these religious leaders, they had the greatest opportunity of their lives. They had a chance to meet the Messiah. They had a chance to see the word of God made flesh right before their eyes. But what did they do? They don't do anything. They heard about the Messiah's birth. They knew exactly where the Christ child was to be born. They could even give details and directions to a group of strangers. And yet they themselves decided to stay home. They had hearts that heard the truth and even accepted the truth. But they also had hearts that refused to be changed by the truth. And you know, sadly, this is an attitude I think we still see in many hearts in churches today. Because there are many Christians who are just kind of going through the motions when it comes to their relationship with Jesus. There are many Christians who are fine with having faith as long as it doesn't really get in the way of their everyday life too much. It's kind of this attitude where Jesus is a super guy and I really like him a lot right up until following him becomes inconvenient. And then it's sort of too much bother and maybe not just worth the effort. Some have called this state of faith casual Christianity. But I think the Bible calls it lukewarmness. But there's nothing about a lukewarm heart that will make it ready to live out the truth of Christmas every day. There's nothing about indifference when it comes to Jesus that will help a person escape from the spiritual pitfall of mediocre faith. And it's a trap any one of us can fall into where we just sort of begin to settle less Settle for less when it comes to our faith, where we just kind of start going through the motions, where we get ourselves in a rut, a rut of faith that keeps us sort of, where we get stuck in the same place, spiritually speaking, where there's no growth, there's no excitement, there's no passion anymore. 
We just do the same things day after day. And I think most, for most of us, the real problem with that is that we're simply too busy. Too busy to slow down, too busy to seek the Lord, too busy to celebrate our salvation, too busy to take time to meet the Savior, even when he's right there beside us. Because we have places to be and things to do and people to see. And we may have really good intentions when it comes to knowing Jesus and growing in our faith, but we never quite get around to actually doing those things because we're too busy. Don't let your heart be indifferent to the news. Don't let yourself fall into mediocrity in your faith. Don't let yourself settle for anything less than seeking Christ fully every moment of every day because there is only one way to truly celebrate Christmas and that's to make sure you have a heart that is ready to worship the Savior. And we see that as we continue in verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them the time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down, and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And it is these wise men who finally show us the way in this passage, with hearts fixed on worship. And understand This was not the easy choice for these men to make. Um, This journey would have cost them a lot. It would have cost them their time. Uh, Certainly this would have taken months, if not years, for them to complete this journey. It would have cost them money, uh, probably a small fortune. And not just for the gifts they brought, but for provisions and for travel and expenses. And there was danger involved. I mean, around every turn, travel at that time was very dangerous. They faced robbers and thieves and highwaymen. But, you know, despite all of the obstacles, despite the cost, despite the sacrifice it required, the wise men pressed on because they would settle for nothing less than seeing Jesus. They would settle for nothing less than an opportunity to worship the King of Kings. And that is the kind of passion we need in our hearts as well. That is the kind of heart that is ready for Christmas. One that seeks to worship the Lord. A.W. Tozer in his book, Whatever Happened to Worship, says that of all the examples that we have in the Bible illustrate that a glad and devoted and reverent worship is the normal employment of moral beings. Every glimpse that is given us of heaven and of God's creatures beings, God's created beings is always a glimpse of worship and rejoicing and praise because God is who he is. And then Tozer continues saying, I can safely say on the authority that all of all that is revealed in the word of God, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. If we want to celebrate and live out Christmas every day, we need to cultivate hearts of worship. Hearts that pursue Christ constantly. 
Hearts that will settle for nothing less than seeking Jesus until he is found. Hearts prepared to bow down before our King. And understand that this kind of worship that I'm talking about here, it doesn't just happen once a week, you know, during our church service on Sundays. It doesn't just happen during special events or even just at Christmas time. The kind of worship we're talking about here means worshiping Christ every day of the year. It means honoring him with our whole lives. Because you can't have Jesus in your life and remain the same. You cannot acknowledge the birth of Christ and still try to run your life on your own terms. Christ's presence changes things. Christ's presence in the world transforms how we live. His presence in the world means there is forgiveness and hope and love and grace and mercy and acceptance and meaning and purpose and life for those whose hearts are ready to accept him. So open yourself to worship and adore Christ. And be ready with hearts of worship to celebrate the truth of Christmas every day. And you know, as we go into this new year, uh, a new year that is full of unknowns, it's going to be full of challenges, uh, lots of bumps along the way, I can actually think of no better way to make the most of the days that are in front of us than to make this a year where every day is a day where we are committed to worship and seeking Christ our King. And you know, I'll tell you plainly that I want to have that kind of passion in my life going into this new year. I don't want to, you know, settle for being a lukewarm believer. I don't want my faith to just be mediocre. I don't want to just go through the motions or play church. I want to invite Jesus into every area of my life. I want to make him my priority. I want to commit my life first and before all other things to him. Not just living for Jesus when it's convenient, but every moment of every day, letting the truth of Christmas and the truth of Christ transform my soul. And that should be our response. Because you know what? If you're like me, too often you can forget the true magnitude of what Christmas really means. The impact that God would love us so much that he would send his son to die in our place, that the word became flesh and got dust on his feet and that he lived and he died on the cross so that you and me might be forgiven of our sins and discover what life and real life and real living truly is. Living for him every moment of every day. And you know, that's why I want to show you one more heart that we need to know about to be ready for Christmas, uh, celebrating Christmas every day in our lives. Because before we close, I, want, I think you need to see the heart of God in all of this as well. You need to know that Christmas happened because God loves us. Christmas happened because God wants to be with us. Christmas happened because God would not stand by and let us die in our sins as sinners. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, So love the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And another verse, 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10, says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. For our sins. 
That is the heart of God on display. And the heart of God desires a deep and intimate and personal relationship with every one of us. God wants to be real in our lives. He wants us to know him personally. He wants us to experience his love and to know his mercy and to embrace his his grace and to taste of his love and to accept his forgiveness and to treasure his salvation. And that's even part of this story we have in front of us as well. Because you know what? It's God who is the one who sends the star to guide the wise men in the first place. And you know, maybe you've not really given that a lot of thought. But do you realize how strange it was that God would send a star? Because the Jewish people were not exactly known as stargazers. In fact, uh, to, to the Jews, astrology of any kind was an absolute no-no. It was forbidden. Looking for a sign in the sky as a Jew was the kind of thing that could get you stoned to death for. And yet God sends a star in the heavens for the wise men to see. So why would he do that? Well, I think the simple answer is that, to that question is that God was looking to reach the entire world with this message. This was not just going to be a savior for the Jews. Jesus was to be a savior for all people. So he took the initiative to let the whole world know that he was sending his son to earth. Because God reaches to people in all kinds of different ways. He spoke to Moses as a burning bush. He spoke to Isaiah as a vision in the temple. He spoke to Joseph in a dream. To speak to Nineveh, he sent a prophet. And God reaches the wise men through their study of the stars. God isn't limited in the way that he can reach people. And even in our own lives, sometimes God uses events of great joy to make himself known. Sometimes he does it through the beauty of creation. Sometimes he uses silence, science or philosophy to reveal himself to us. Sometimes God is heard loudest in a person's life only through great suffering. But the important truth is that God makes the effort to make himself known. God takes the initiative because God desires to have a relationship with us. God is getting people's attention and he is inviting people, all people everywhere, to seek him out so that he can be their savior. And chances are he is reaching out to you. Even now in your life, he's inviting you. He is calling you in many different ways to draw closer to him. He's calling you to know him. Calling you to surrender your life to him. Calling you to a vibrant life of faith. Calling you to a life of praise. So even though Christmas may have already come and gone on the calendar this year, we need to know that it can still be Christmas in our hearts every single day. Every day can be a day when the truth of Christmas is real. Every day can be a day of seeking Jesus. Every day can be a day where we worship and bow down before him. Every day can be a day where we answer God's call to us to draw near to him. Every day can be a day when we receive Christ for who he truly is. The word made flesh, God among us, King of kings, Lord of lords. He is Savior, he is Redeemer, he is our God. So let's make sure every day of this year before us that our hearts are ready to receive him. Let's make every day a day full of truth about Christmas and that we have hearts that seek and worship him.
Let's pray together. Father God, we pray that we would have hearts that are truly ready and prepared um, to worship you, to receive you every day of this year before us and every day of our lives. Because Lord, your heart, your heart calls out to us uh, to be known. And Lord, our New Year challenge really should be that wherever, whatever comes, whatever challenges, whatever new obstacles, whatever this COVID situation brings, Lord, whatever may come, Lord, that before all things, we would seek you first. That we would have hearts seeking Christ until he is found. Hearts that will settle for nothing less than worshiping our Savior. Hearts that bow down to worship and adore you every single day of the year. That, Lord, our hearts would not be overwhelmed with fear. Lord, watching the news can be terrifying. And, Lord, we can live fearful lives. But, Lord, we would push that all away. And that, Lord, we would not have hearts of indifference. Indifference where we would just settle for less. Where we would settle for being mediocre. Where we'd just be going through the motions but not really growing. But, Lord, we would truly have hearts of worship. Seeking you until you are found. And Lord, with a heart like that, every single day can be a day where the truth of Christmas is real and profound and deep and transformational in our lives. So Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts properly to receive the truth. That Lord, that our hearts would be open to you and that we would have hearts of worship every day of the year so that the truth of Christmas may be real to us every moment of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.